This is one of the, the Bible stories that uh, I, I absolutely love this. Absolutely love this. If you want to follow in your own Bible, then we're looking at Luke 24, starting at verse 13. If um, you want to follow on the screen, it uh, will all appear in uh, yellow on blue, so that uh, it's very clear for you. That almost rhymes, doesn't it? It's yellow on blue, so it's clear for you. Anyway... Now that same day, two of them were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. They were talking with each other about everything that had happened. As they talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus himself came up and walked along with them. But they were kept from recognising him. Jesus catches up with two disciples as they're walking on a seven-mile journey. They're heading to a place called uh, Emmaus, and Jesus catches up with them. This is the dead Jesus. This is the Jesus whose story we followed uh, running up to last weekend with uh, a trial and betrayal and nails and crosses and soldiers and death and resurrection. Jesus, who was dead, is alive and he's now catching up with a couple of disciples. Well, well, I'll tell you what we're doing. We're going to do this in a a little bit of a a different way this morning. We're going to have a little quiz just to uh, check that we are all awake and ready and going. Why didn't the two travellers recognise Jesus. This is what it says, they didn't recognise him. Uh, Verse 16, but they were kept from recognising him. Here's the thing, why didn't the two travellers recognise him? Number one, it could have been Jesus was wearing a disguise. Could have been uh, something else. It could have been that they uh, had never stood this close to him before. It could very well have been that the late afternoon sun was glaring in their eyes. Or it could have been Something like this. A supernatural force was at work. What do you reckon then? A, B, C or D? D. A supernatural force was at work. Other translations uh, of the Bible uh, put this uh, text in a slightly different way. In verse 16, we've got in the NIV that they were kept from recognising him. Uh, New American Standard says that their eyes were prevented from recognising him. Uh, Another version says that their eyes were restrained. They did not recognise him. A supernatural force was at work. I, I, I don't know whether you've ever experienced this, experienced this very same thing, that God is doing something and that you have no idea what he's doing. And it's not until later on that you get an idea, oh my goodness gracious, God, you were truly at work in this. Like, I, I mean, just go through my life briefly uh, over the last sort of 30 years or so, I met a lady called Carol. I started to attend a church in Andover. That's where I met her. 
I, I joined uh, her father in working with the young people and uh, I, I joined a, a drama group and got involved in some of the stuff that was going on in the church and before long, Carol and I are in a relationship and we're engaged and I'm going off to Bible college and the rest of the story starts to unpack and then you think to yourself, oh my goodness, how was God so clearly involved and I didn't see stuff? Have you ever thought to yourself, well that's a coincidence? Anything ever happens in your life, you think, oh that's a coincidence? But actually the reality might be that God's in this. Some of the things that we might turn around and say are the most difficult things, the struggles, or even illnesses or relationship breakdowns and things, and you think to yourself, Lord, where were you in this? And then as time goes on, you get to see he was with you in it. There was a supernatural force in operation. I can remember, and I've shared before here, you know, I, I'm, I'm on the hard shoulder of the M4. My truck has just been in an accident and I'm sat there waiting for the emergency services and I'm sort of asking God questions like, how am I going to get these chickens delivered now? That sort of question. As well as, oh my goodness, what am I going to do? And am I okay? And I was okay and there's no problems with me whatsoever. And then you think to yourself, Lord... Up until this point in time, I've been questioning whether you would be able to be my provider. And you've just proved it without any shadow of a doubt. Here I am, safe, after having this horrific accident on the M4. Not a scratch on me. A supernatural force was in operation. And even recent years, I mean, for us, here's a little situation for us here. I think to myself... We stepped into the housing market. We were three and a half years into uh, working with HSBC in buying a house. And then we feel that God's saying it's time to move on. And the whole thing about moving from one church and into another ministry somewhere, that's meant to be smooth and slick and everything's meant to dovetail together perfectly. And then you find for eight months you're waiting for God's call. You've come out because you believe you've been called out of a position and you're waiting to be called into the next position and eight months and you sell your house because you need some money to live on and the house has gone up in value by such an amount that you have got money to live on. And for what I was thinking was about a future investment, actually God was saying, no, this is about present provision. I can sustain you. You need to take a break. There was a supernatural force in operation. Do you know, there are many things that are happening in your life that at this moment in time, you may be turning around and saying something like, Lord, what is all this about? But you will be able to look back and say, God, you were at work in that. And even if you're in the midst of something, start looking for his fingerprints. Just like these two on the road to Emmaus. They were blinded. They were unable to see who Jesus was because there's God was at work in it. Makes you think a bit, doesn't it? God, what are you teaching me through this? Something that feels totally irrelevant or, or is inconvenient and then suddenly, bang, God shows up. 
Verse 17, he asked them, what are you discussing together? As you walk along, they stood still, their faces downcast. One of them called uh, Cleopas asked him, are you uh, the only visitor to Jerusalem who does not know the things that have been happening there in these days? (laughs) Jesus says, what things? What things? Jesus was put to death on a cross on Friday, taken off of the cross, put into a borrowed grave, and then we go from Friday into Saturday into Sunday. Three days have gone by. It's Sunday. And it's like Cleopas is saying to, you know, what's the matter with you, buddy? Have you you been sleeping? Have, have Have you not connected with all that's been going on? How could you have missed it? I don't know whether this still holds true for people here, but Tuesday, do you remember the Tuesday? It was a Tuesday in 2001, in September. And it just happened to be the 11th. Can you remember what was going on on Tuesday, the 11th of September, in 2001? Anybody got any idea? Twin Towers. So where were you then? So when you found out about this, when you saw this, can anybody tell me where you were? Go on. You were just getting up. And you saw it on the telly. You thought it was a joke. Yeah? 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 Anybody else remember where they were? Malcolm? Oh my goodness. Wow. Halfway across the Atlantic at that same time. Wow. Yeah. Sarah, where were you, did you say? You were at work. You remember being at work. Anybody else got a thought, remember where you were? Yeah? Rosie? planes going into the Twin Towers. Wow. You see, it's one of those things that, because it's happened, you remember it. It's a significant thing that's happened. And if you were to speak to somebody, because this was, I mean, this happened on Tuesday. It was Tuesday, September the 11th. So we're going from Tuesday, three days later, let's go into Wednesday, let's go into Thursday, and you're chatting to somebody on Thursday, and you say to them, What do you think about what happened Tuesday? And they say to you, what happened Tuesday? What do you think happened? What what was going through your mind about Friday? Well, Well, what happened Friday? Have you got no idea what happened Friday? My goodness. Verse 19 what, that's the question, there's the first question there, is what things, Jesus asked. Well, about Jesus of Nazareth, they replied. He was a prophet, powerful in word and deed before God and all people. The chief priests and our rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death and they crucified him. But we had hoped 
that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. And what is more, it is the third day since all this took place. In addition, it goes on to say, some of the women amazed us. They went to the tomb early in the morning, but they didn't find his body. They came and told us that they had seen a vision of angels who said that he was alive. Then some of our companions went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said. But him they did not see. A question then. Why were the travellers so downcast? Here's some options. Another Passover had come and gone with nothing too great happening. Uh, maybe their shoes were uncomfortable. They're a bit downcast. Uh, they were peeved over having their conversation interrupted by this stranger on the road back to Emmaus. Or their hope ha- was shattered. Any ideas? What do you think it's going to be? We're going for D. Their hope had been Shattered. See, Jesus was the Son of God come to redeem and to restore. But in some people's eyes, he was the one who was going to lead God's people out of the tyranny and the oppression of the Roman rule. He was going to be a political leader who was going to overflow, overthrow the, the leadership that was at the moment oppressing God's people. He was the one who was going to set things straight. He was the one who was promised. And yet, it's not worked out exactly as they thought things were going to work out. And I don't know if any of you have ever had the experience of things not working quite out as you expected them to work out. Oh, all right. I didn't expect that to happen. Hopes dashed. I mean, my own mind as a pastor, as I've come alongside people in different life situations, you, you find people whose, whose marriages have been shattered. They hoped that it would be till death us do part, but it's not. When serious uh, relationships might have come to an end, they thought it was long term, but it's not. A couple of weeks into retirement and your plans are all coming together about what you're going to do and where you're going to go and then you have the check-up and the lump or the shadow is found. All hope is lost. Maybe adult children haven't embraced the faith in which they were brought up in and now are doing things in their lives their own way which is not the way that maybe you would have liked them to do it. All hope is lost. You showed up for work on an ordinary day to find out that work is closing down and the job that you thought you had security in is no longer going to be there. All hope is lost. Their hope was shattered. But here's something really important to recognise that in the moment of their realisation that their hope was shattered, who was with them? Jesus. When you need to reach out, when you're at the end of your tether, you know that he is there. So this is what uh, Jesus says to them. He says, "Uh, how foolish are you? 
How slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Did not the Christ have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. How amazing must this have been to have had a, a, an Old Testament, which is all they had, of course, in those days, an Old Testament Bible study about Jesus by Jesus. How awesome was that? He explains to them the scriptures. He goes through each of the sections of scripture and would have said, look, in Deuteronomy chapter 9, where Moses says, the Lord your God will raise up a prophet like me. I'm the one. Isaiah 9, for unto us a child is born. We know these words. We say them at Christmas time. For unto us a child is born. To unto us a son is given. The government will be on his shoulders. He will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. There's Jesus telling these guys, this is me. This is me. Go through Isaiah. Isaiah 53. He was the one who was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. After the suffering, we will see the light of life and be satisfied. God says through himself to these guys, I am the one. I am the one. Don't lose hope. I am with you. I'm for you. As they approached the village to which they were going, uh, Jesus acted as if he was going further, but they urged him strongly, would you please stay with us? It's an early evening. The day is almost over. So he went in to stay with them. When he was at the table with them, he took bread, gave thanks, broke it, began to give it to them. Then their eyes were opened and they recognised him and he disappeared from their sight. Isn't it funny? Because he's the guest, he's going into the house and he sits down with them and then he takes over. He takes over uh, the role of the host rather than being the guest. He's the one, the scripture says here, that uh, he took bread, gave thanks, broke it began to give it to them. We do this first Sunday in the morning. We missed it last week. And second Sunday in the evening. Tonight at seven o'clock, we will take bread and break it. We will share a cup together. And and in this act that these disciples were sharing with Jesus, they have the revelation of who he is. And this is what happens, you see. So often as we gather around the Lord's table, he encounters us and we encounter him. When we gather tonight at seven o'clock, which you're all welcome to come. It's a short time together, about an hour. We sing, we read God's word, we share things together, we pray and we share the Lord's Supper. It's not about going through the motions. It's not about we've got to do this because we've got to do this. What it is, is an opportunity for encounter. That's what we do here. We, we give everybody an opportunity to meet with God. And tonight we'll be doing that at seven o'clock. Question. What allowed the two people to finally recognise Jesus? Here's some answers. Once inside the house, the sun was no longer in their eyes, so they could see him. Uh, they caught a glimpse of his uh, nail-marked hands, maybe. Uh, 
Um, Jesus had a, a notoriously peculiar way of breaking a loaf of bread into two. Yeah, oh, I've known somebody who does it like that. Well, God opened their eyes. A, B, C or D. God opened their eyes. That's what I put down. Their eyes were opened and they recognised him. And the beautiful thing is, the more that we're able to bring people into the presence of God, that they might open their eyes and have their eyes opened and recognise him. How beautiful. That, that's what we're about as God's people. It's about taking people on a journey so that they themselves will have an encounter with God, that they will see him at work. And he will open their eyes. I remember having given my life to Christ. I remember riding horses in, and I know you'd be quite surprised by this, but I was riding horses in Wales. And I was uh, riding up this mountain with uh, the daughter of my best mate at the time. And we got to the top of this hill, and I'd been talking to her about Jesus, and we're now on these horses, we're, stood, we're on top of this hill, my horse that I'm on is called Ben. Funny reasons, I don't know why. The impact it has on choosing names for your kids later on, I don't know. But I'm on this horse called Ben, and, and, uh, and she's on a horse, and we're at the top of this mountain, we're looking out across this valley, and as we look out across this valley, it is stunning. What an amazing landscape. We've got land going down, and then in the distance we've got the sea. And I can remember saying to her, I said, who do you thank for this? And as we sat on these horses, quietly on the top of this mountain, she turned to me and she said, I suppose I should thank God. What an honour. But it was so easy to lead her into a relationship with Jesus after Jesus had revealed himself. He revealed himself on a mountainside looking out at a beautiful countryside as almighty God. He did it. He did it. God reveals himself. Their eyes were opened and they were able to see him. It's nothing quite like helping people to see Jesus. Next verse. They asked each other, were not our hearts burning within us in us while we talked with him on the road? And he opened the scriptures to us. Question again. Why were their travellers' hearts burning? Here's some answers. Uh, lunch was too spicy? Maybe. Um, Jesus' words made them angry. See, that can happen sometimes. Do you know, when Jesus is starting to put his finger on issues in your life, that are not right, that need to be rectified and realigned, you can get a bit angry with it. I don't, I don't like it, Jesus, that you're now telling me what to do. Have you ever found that when you start to speak into people's lives and they start to ask questions about how Jesus would like them to act and react and they get a little bit angry and you think they're getting angry at you, but they're not getting angry at you, they're just getting angry at Jesus and he's used to that but he's very patient and helps people come to a realisation that he is right. I had a beautiful time last weekend with a guy who came and visited to us and there were uh, some great conversations that went on and part of those conversations were just getting us to a place where 
he could come to understand how Jesus sees things. And you know, some of the things that, how Jesus sees it, may not be the way that you see it. And it might get you a little bit angry. But he can deal with that. Food spicy. Jesus made them angry. They were in a hurry and they wanted to get home. Uh, Or the last one here. Jesus' words intensely broke through to the deepest parts of their lives. Have you seen a pattern in the answers here? I'm just trying to make it really easy. A, B, C or D? And we're going with D. Absolutely. Jesus' words intensely broke through the deepest parts of their lives. God speaks into our lives. He knows what we need to know. And he has the answer. They got up. They returned at once to Jerusalem where they found the eleven and those with them assembled together and saying, it is true, the Lord has risen and has appeared to Simon. Then the two told what had happened on the way and how Jesus was recognised to them when he broke the bread. They got on the road. They got on the same road. This is what they did. They headed back to where disappointment first hit them. Back on the road, going back. Do you know, sometimes on our journeys with Jesus, we do need to go back to a place where hurts happened, where upsets derailed us, where we were run off the road by circumstances and situations. Do you know, when that person said that thing, or this thing happened to you, When you have the assurance of Jesus' presence with you, go back to that place. Sometimes it might be going back to a place where you say sorry. It might be going back to a place where you ask for forgiveness. It might be going back to a place just to stand and say, from here, I'm going to go in a new direction. Sometimes when circumstances and situations come to us and we want to leave it all behind, But when we've got that assurance of Jesus being with us, you are safe to get back on that road, go back to that place, and maybe rebuild something that was broken, restore something that had been derailed. And with God with you, there is always amazing fruit. These guys go back on the road, head back to Jerusalem, and then fruit kicks off. This is what happens. Why did the two travellers get on the road and go back? Uh, They forgot something there. There's an answer there. Uh, To hide out and see what's happening next. uh, Or it could be to uh, protest against the death by crucifixion. Or D, to tell everyone the good news. Anybody know what the answer's going to be? And this is what happens. (laughs) They go back because they have had a personal revelation of the true fact that Jesus is alive and they've got to tell someone. Can I just ask anybody here if you have had a personal revelation of the fact that Jesus is alive? Anybody here? You know that Jesus is alive. And I'm not seeing loads of hands up, which is really, really scary. Because if you do not know that Jesus is alive, then we've got to do something about that today.
because he is alive. If you've got one of these, could you just show me this? Could you just put it up? Here is the call over your life. As men and women who know that Jesus is alive, who have had a personal revelation of the fact that he is alive, it is your joy to partner with Holy Spirit and invite others on the journey. Who's living next door to you, where you live, who doesn't know that Jesus is alive? Pop round. There's an Alpha course happening up in my church and I need someone to go with me. I want to go, but I need someone to go with me. Will you come? The person who shares the desk in the office with you or across the office from you. It's small enough. It's not a poster. It's not a flyer. It's a business card. It's simple. It's got all the information you need to know and they need to know about when it is. But what they don't have at this moment in time is a personal invitation. Will you do that? If you know Jesus and he has touched your life and today you can say without any shadow of a doubt I'm walking with my living Saviour, it is your joy. It's not a burden, it's a joy to invite others on the journey. The Alpha Course has been proven over the last 20 some odd years I first heard Nicky Gumbel talk about the Alpha Course when I was at Spurgeon's College. It was 1993. And this plum in his mouth, ex-barrister, stood up in front of a bunch of us Baptist students and told us about the Alpha Course. I thought, who's going to listen to this bloke? He sounds really weird. And all of his stories were about things, you know, I'd never been in court. No, never. Um, and I don't know much of the stuff that he was talking about but there seemed to be something about this Alpha course that they were starting at Holy Trinity Brompton that they'd been running through that they'd now formalised up in my study here I have got a set of tapes does anybody remember those things? I've got the full set of Alpha tapes the first Alpha course that was done at Holy Trinity and Nicky Gumbel was flogging them Spurgeon's College, cheap, because I must have been cheap because I bought a set. So, <laughs> If I'd have known then, in 1993, of the millions and millions of lives all over this country and all over the world that have been transformed as people have come to know Jesus through that course. And all you have to do, this is really simple, is invite someone to come. Two guys heading down to Emmaus, meet Jesus on the road, didn't realise it was him, get a full revelation and understanding that he is God, he is alive. He then leaves them, they then take that news and head back because there's some people who they need to see in Jerusalem who probably have got no idea that Jesus is alive. Do you know there's people in Basingstoke today that need to know that Jesus is alive. And if you know it, it's your privilege to share it. Really, really simple. We went out door to door. 
on Good Friday morning, and we're going to do it next year, but there's going to be 50 of us doing it next year, rather than the 11 who did it this year. But here's the deal on that. We don't want you to convert people at the door. That's not what it's all about. It's about loving people. And the loving thing to do is to share Jesus with people. So all we did on Good Friday was go from door to door, knocking on the doors and saying, Happy Easter. I'm from the church on Gershwin Road and we'd love to invite you to join with us as we celebrate on Easter Sunday. And by the way, here's a little booklet about prayer that we think you might find helpful. Happy Easter. All you've got to do is ask someone. Whether they come or not is not your responsibility, but it's your responsibility to ask. But it's not just about responsibility, it's a joy, it's a privilege. You know, what about if your neighbours come to love Jesus as you love Jesus? What about if your work colleagues come to love Jesus as you love Jesus? What about if members of your family who at this moment in time have got no idea how much Jesus loves them come to know Jesus? And it's low pressure, easy going, food's involved, you haven't even got to cook. Come, eat, watch a stimulating short film, discuss it, then come back next week. Alpha. Has anybody here never done Alpha? Can you put your hand up if you've never ever done an Alpha course? If you've never done an Alpha course, sign up. Come on it. You see, do you need to come on it so that you know what you're going to bring people to the next time we do it? Because we're going to do this twice a year. We're going to keep doing Alpha. You see, I've been on enough Alpha conferences in my time to know that to get the best out of this amazing evangelistic resource, you need to make sure it's part of your life cycle as a church. We as a church are moving to that place where seeing people saved is absolutely foundational. It's got to be. Because the kingdom is growing. Jesus said, I'm building my church. And we're not going to just build the church by other people from other churches joining us. Although, they're very welcome to. What we want to see is the church growing and being built by people who don't know Jesus coming to know Jesus. Here's the deal. You've got a card. It's small enough to stick in your wallet or your purse. Invite someone. And then when you've invited someone, come back next week and pick up another card and invite someone else. And if you've never been on an Alpha course, you need to go on an Alpha course. Sign up. Say, I want to be there. I want to know what's going on because in the future I recognise I've got lost family, lost friends, lost work colleagues who need to come to know Jesus. If you know him, what a joy it is to share him. So they headed back. They headed back to share what Jesus had shared with them. They told everybody the good news. I'm not going to bother with question six, because I think we should pray. So let's stand together. Encounters with Jesus. That's what happened. He reveals himself in the most astonishing situations. But above everything else, he so touches and changes our hearts, reveals the fact that he is alive, that we might share that life 
with others. So I want you just to spend a moment thinking about the person that God is now, by his Holy Spirit, laying on your heart that you can invite. Is it a brother? Is it a sister? Maybe a parent, grandparent? Is it a neighbour? Is it a friend? Is it a work colleague? Who is God saying to you, share my love, invite them to come? Father, we want to pray that you, by your Holy Spirit, will go before us and prepare the hearts of those very people we are thinking about at this moment in time who we can invite to come with us on the Alpha Course. Would you start, Lord, to soften their hearts, where in the past we may have perceived they were negative, that you would turn it around, that they would be inquisitive and even positive. Lord, would you so touch their hearts and their diaries that time will be available, that schedules will realign themselves so that these meetings where your Holy Spirit is going to touch and transform people will be able to be fitted into their diaries. We want to pray against words of negativity from their friends or their neighbours or their work colleagues that would criticise or undermine the invitation. We say, in the mighty name of Jesus, enemy, be silenced over those that we love, that we want to share the love of Christ with. And we want to speak positive responses in Jesus' name. Father, we want to take it as a church that because you are alive, because you are revealing yourself, because there is hope in you, we might see the lives of others transformed. And we dare to ask, Lord, that you would use the resource of Alpha that starts in a few weeks right here. Lord, we are fearful, but we recognise that perfect love casts out all fear. Help us to know how much you love us as we talk to others, as we make those invitations, as we rearrange our own diaries. And may there be favour over our invitations. We pray, Lord, that this coming Alpha course will be the most uh, attended course that we've ever done in this place. And we want to pray, Father, for lives transformed. We bless you, Lord, that you will be saving people. You will be healing people. You will be restoring and renewing people. You will be prospering people. You will be blessing people. That you will be giving people an eternal destiny that up until this point in time they do not have. Thank you, Lord, that life eternal is available for those who trust in you. So stir us, we pray, Lord, as we invite those around us to join us on the adventure of knowing you, in whose name we pray. Amen.